Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Rad Life. I'm your host, Austin. I've been getting back into these weekly uploads. I'm doing alright. I have some ideas for you guys uh, coming down the pipe and a lot scheduled. Uh, I got another Rad Life stock portfolio coming uh, scheduled and I got another uh, fantasy football talk planned. Chelsea's currently reading some books so we can do some more book reviews. Yeah, there's a lot uh, planned. I have a few other guests with specific talk- topics I want to talk about. I just haven't found the opportunity to have them on yet. Um, but I'm excited to bring this content to you guys. And today I have my brother on, Devin. We'll be talking about some sports and some other uh, gambling things. Uh, just kind of BS it with my brother, you know, the fun stuff. And if you guys like the episode, share it, subscribe, or follow on uh, Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at RadLifeSpotify. I really should be getting better at my social media game and social media advertisement for this. So that way I can get uh, more viewers. But um, thanks for listening, everybody. And let's jump right into Devin being here. What's going on, Devin? Glad to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? You know, just another day in the life, getting these weekly uploads going. Mm-hmm. So you were saying you had a story you wanted to share first, or did you want to hop into talking about sports? I can share the story real quick. All so right. I was driving home from the airport because mom and dad are, are going to Florida, and I was driving home from driving back from the airport and it was 4 30 in the morning and I was about five miles from the exit to for coming home and it was a construction zone so the speed limit was six I was right. going 70 miles an hour because that's like the normal speed limit and it was 4 30 in the morning so like theoretically there shouldn't be any cops out right and so I don't know if that's how that works, but continue. <laughs> well, like the chances of it happening is slim. But so anyway, so I like look in my rearview mirror, like half asleep, and I see this cop like driving towards me with. I was like, "Oh, you gotta be kidding me right now!" Like I'm so close to being home, and then like I look closer, and he's like catching up, like really quick on me. And then I, like, keep looking at it because I'm like, he's, like, going way too fast coming up on me. And there was a crotch rocket going at least 100 miles an hour that zoomed right by me. And the cop was chasing him. And I was like, oh, my God, it's 430 in the morning. And I chase. And they just, there's no streetlights. So, like, all I could see was the cops flashing lights go off into the distance. And it was pretty crazy. Did the motorcycle have any lights? No, it was like all black. That's pretty like dangerous. All, the was only thing crazy? I could, yeah, it was like the only thing I could see on the crotch rocket was like the dude, the glare on a on the helmet from like headlights. That's crazy. That guy's lucky to be alive. I think I don't know. That's... Yeah, so I have no idea what happened. The cop caught him. Yeah, he's probably trying to get away, being visible. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was insane though, because it was it was four thirty in the morning, and I was like. With, like I was just trying to go home and go to sleep, and I saw a high-speed chase. Yeah, that's wild. So, 
that's a cool story. Uh, so let's talk about some sports then. What's, what do you want to talk about first? All right, well, got a, I got a pick today. You got a pick for uh, gambling? Yep. All right, let's jump into that. What are we making money on today? <laughs> uh, so the, I forgot. It's the Houston Astros covering yep. the red for the first five innings against I don't even remember who they're playing, but Justin Verlander's pitching today. And he's having a career year, so minus a half through the first five innings is basically a lock at minus one forty. Huh? Is that makes? I mean, that's just such a random bet, but <laughs> I mean, I guess sometimes when you find that stuff that's a lock, it's may as well bet on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the odds aren't terrible, but they're not great. But yeah, that's not that profitable, but. I guess it's yep. profit if it comes true. Yep. So Justin Verlander is going to throw another gem, and the Astros are going to be winning by at least one run through five innings. Is that a night game? I don't even know. I saw Justin Verlander was pitching, so I bet. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's he's on pace to have a better season than his MVP season. So he must be still uh, thriving in Houston. We miss yeah. him in Detroit, but <laughs> yeah, he's thirty nine years old and he's still throwing a hundred miles an hour off Tommy John surgery. Is he really that old? Yeah, oh. and he had Tommy John's. Yeah, he, I guess he, I've just been out of it and lost. <laughs> yeah, and he's got he's got a sub two ERA this year. Wow, that's impressive. It's he's got like a one point nine one ERA. That you don't see that very often. No, nope. two, two is usually like low to mid twos is like the benchmark for being good. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's having a career year, or do you think? I mean, he obviously is, but do you think that how baseball has changed since when he's come up has led to an increase in his numbers? Like maybe he's the same pitcher. It's just now people are swinging through things more. Um, I think it could be a combination of things because I don't think he is the same pitcher as when he was with Detroit because back in Detroit, he would kind of cruise through like the first few innings and then ramp up the velocity in the later innings. Like he threw the like 91 to 94. And then once he'd get deeper in the game, he to like 97, 99. Right. But now with everyone being able to throw 100, he kind of just comes out of the gate throwing that throwing 9900 miles an hour because everyone sees it so it's why 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 hold it in right and then along with the analytics and all the shifting and and people and hitters trying to hit home runs it's a lot easier to get guys out now so right the combination of his strategy as a pitcher changing and just how the game has evolved over the past 10, 12 years. It's kind of crazy how much the game of baseball has changed since when we started watching it. Just, it feels very recent, though. It doesn't feel like it's been, like, I remember watching the World Series back in 2012, which was, I guess, 10 years ago. But this wasn't happening back then. It wasn't happening, like, I don't even think it was happening that much five years ago. Which part? The shifting and people... Well, yeah, because a lot of it is a lot of these organizations are uh, putting 
resources into all these analytics and technologies that help them know better understand how a player is going to play and like where they're like they're going to hit the ball and things like that. Yeah, baseball is like the most probability based game I think there is. But so like the stat wise and analytics benefit baseball the most. Mm-hmm. I think so. But I the shift seems so easy to beat. Like when yeah, I'm watching it's, it, it's hard to get a player that's making multi million dollars buy into bunting for a double instead of trying to hit a home run. Yeah, I'm just saying that it just watching it it irritates the heck out of me when I see a left hander hit a ground ball into the shift for an out when they have third baseline completely like vacated. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just the most infuriating thing. And I don't know if they've done this yet or there's talks about it, but banning the shift. Yeah. The shift is supposed to get banned next year. I think it's like 2023 instead of banning it. How about these arrogant players just beat the shift because it, that strategy shouldn't work. You know, when you watch something and you look at it, it's like, that's stupid. That'll never work. And then now it needs to get banned for some reason. <laughs> so. Yeah. I I can see where you're coming from. But a lot of, a, there's a lot of people that have the feeling that the shift just ruins baseball because it's not like the conventional way to play. Well, I'll tell you, if the shift, if people didn't like the shift, they should just get on their favorite player for hitting into it instead of bunting for a double. Because I'll tell you what, they'll abandon the shift if every single time they shifted, someone got a double. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, a couple weeks ago, I saw a unique shift by the Yankees. Some team playing the Yankees. I forgot who it was. But Anthony Rizzo was up to bat. Yeah, lefty. They're doing cool. like moving the normal infielders around. They moved one. Into right center field, they but, moved. So they moved, had four moved, outfielders. Sorry. Four outfielders. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think it brings a level of creativity. I just wish instead of banning it, the play that batters would adapt. Yeah, you know, because like it's cool seeing the fielding adapt, but where instead of like a yin and yang push and pull of like, all right, fielders adapted. Let's see the batters adapt. Now there's a just that's stupid. Let's ban it and keep going the way. Yeah, I had a similar conversation like this with some of my old teammates about how the game has evolved and like how like it seems like all the pitchers are throwing a hundred now, and there's all these different types of defensive shifts, and it seems like hitting has been the slowest thing to kind of evolve and adapt to these changes in the game because we're just like, we're seeing that numbers off the charts and it's, and it just seems like it's so hard to hit and the other aspects of the game are evolving and advancing so rapidly that hitting has gotten that much harder because it's just so hard to hit a hundred. And then, Hitting a baseball was already one of the hardest things to do in all of sports. Now um, you, and you're trying to hit a ball that's moving 100 miles an hour and that has eight run is you're asking a lot and it's no one has cracked the code on how to advance the hitting as as the pitching and defense have advanced. Right. I think what some things they could do to increase hitting 
other than just being like, we're going to ban the shift, is like they could lower the mound height so that pitchers don't get as much leverage or they could, you know, decrease the seams on the baseball so they don't get as much spin. I know these things have been done in the past. Mm -hmm. They've messed with or tweaked those like characteristics in order to, I guess, balance the game how they want to see it. Well, yeah, and the MO, the, you got to be careful with changing the baseballs around because a lot of the pitchers have been complaining about this. And pitchers because, are such whiny babies. Yeah, but <laughs> if if you can't grip a baseball and you throw it 100 miles going. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're throwing 100 at me, I'd like you to know where it's going. Right. Uh, I mean, I understand that, but it's like, you get those high, high spin rates and the cut because the seams are high and they can really get leverage on the spin. Mm-hmm. And part of part of it is there. I I think it's not up till recently, but there hasn't been a universal way at how the MLB and teams rub the baseballs, like the which I don't know if you're familiar with, but they use like a mud. I mean, I think that makes sense because I mean we've gotten like foul balls and stuff, and yeah, and so like so there's not there there hasn't been up until recently I think a universal way of rubbing the baseballs so that there actually is grip on it instead of just pulling a brand new baseball out of the package because those are those are pretty slick and slick and shiny and new and you got to get some wear and tear on them. You got to put some character into the baseballs. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't know what adjustment to hitting you could make, but I think I think the infinite amount of relievers too is been part of the issue because starters are like, well, I can gas out for six innings, and then from there each guy has like one inning. Yeah, that's been another crazy type change in baseball is starters rarely ever have to go seven, eight innings now. Right. Like back in the good old the glory days of baseball, starters were going all nine all the time. Like we're seeing guys get pulled when they have a no hitter. That's just so wrong. I think that the baseball analytics have taken the spirit out of the game. I can yeah, I can see that. But they're like I mean, I can see the coach's perspective of like all right, we're in a good chance to win and there's hundred sixty two games, there's no point in blowing out his arm. And, like, this game won out as 162 when we're trying to win a World Series. But it's also, like, he's got a no-hitter going. Like, that's something special. Mm -hmm. Or potentially. Yeah. And it's, like, takes away the competitive edge. I think what they could do is maybe lessen the roster spots available for relievers. That would be, I guess, more costly to keep switching in and out. Yeah, but then you have to get into the uh, the the uh, do you if in case of extra inning games, right? The run around second base rule. Yeah, I just think it. I just think having like these really deep bullpen teams, it's all of a sudden like they got eight guys coming out of the bullpen, one guy per inning, pretty much throwing a hundred and two with a nasty slider and they're a bunch of, I mean, I don't know any of their names, but everybody just comes out randomly throwing a (laughs) hundred. Yeah. It's like, here's this random guy comes out of the bullpen fresh, throws through three outs and at a hundred two and just 
next inning, next guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is like that now, and it, I mean, it is pretty exciting to watch though. When you have a you like every inning, there's a guy throwing a hundred. Yeah, it's just like, I guess there's different. It's different excitement, you know. It's, yeah. but I do think it cuts down on the hitter's ability to game plan. Yeah. I saw a thing today. So it was about picking up spin and with the MLB baseball. Yeah. And so like when, when a guy throws a slider, like the way that the slider spins, there's like a, a dot will pop themes. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. I know what that, but so, like. so this guy, I, I don't know who it was, but it, cause I couldn't see his face. But it was, MLB, it was either a current MLB hitter or a former MLB hitter. But he said, I didn't look for that. There's a M- So I would look for the MLB logo on the because <laughs> it's big. Yeah. So well, that's taking, part of the yeah. horseshoe on the, on the seams. And you go, right. so I would look for that and try to see which way the ball was spinning or which way the logo was spinning. Yeah. And you still got to make that decision in like a split second. Well, yeah. Yeah. But. <laughs> It's a lot easier to pick up a, a, the logo than than a, just yeah. a little dot, right? I guess that's something that helps the hitter. I feel like all the hitters should like. Yeah, but pitchers started. So what he said was pitchers started picking that up, and so they would just they would start throwing the ball like with the the logo to like not facing them. Ah, uh, that makes sense. So, <laughs> There's yeah. always something. There's always yeah, there's always ways to combat other things. I thought that one video we saw of the Yankees versus Tigers where the hitters picked up on like a tell that the pitcher had mm-hmm. for fastballs and breaking balls was super interesting. Just the chess match that happened. Just to like be able to have the slightest advantage of knowing which pitch is coming. Like that's it's like a minute, I guess you call it advantage. You still have to hit it even if you know it's coming. But yeah, but because we would do the same thing with our team, we would look for we would look for tells on pitchers, or and and those type of things. And we actually did we did. There's a few teams where pitchers did have tells, and it's much easier to hit when you know which which pitch is coming. Like you still got to hit it, but it's. It takes a lot of the thinking out of it when you know. See and react. (laughs) It's more so of, yeah, just trying to get the barrel to the baseball at that point. Right. And what was I going to say? So, yeah, we played this team where the pitcher had a tell, and we were down, like, six runs at the time when, like, we found the tell. And we ended up coming back and winning just just because we could figure out which pitch was coming. But the other thing, the other thing with that is, when you do have a tell, like there's some guys where like you you have to make sure like you're a hundred percent with it. Like I was one of those guys. Like I didn't like when we if there was a tell, but like we weren't a hundred percent sure, and I would get the get the pitch relayed to me, but we still weren't a hundred percent sure. I didn't like getting it relayed to me because there's always a back like in the back of my mind that they would be wrong. You're going to look silly swinging out of your shoes when you think it's a fastball and it's a breaking ball. Yeah. So I, I, so I only liked it if like it was a hundred percent certain. Right. It's just like the, 
the like how would a pitcher like does the pitcher know he has a tell like is it how no. would you go about fixing that because that's like the other team notices you have a tell then all of a sudden you probably need someone from your coaching staff or team to notice the same tell and then be able to adjust from there yeah so i don't know how other teams do it but so my college team every so every day we would have base running par- practice because that's when most tells are found is out of this when a pitcher's out of the stretch right and so what we would do like with our base running practice at the beginning of practice would we would have our own pitchers like line up on the mound and go from the stretch and like try to either pick us off pitch or and we would try to steal but we would also we would also try to pick up like tells based on timing pitch grips and whether they were looking at home when they go home or looking at first when they pick off or looking at first when they pitch. And so there are all these different types of tells that you can tell as a base runner, you can do the same thing like for different types of pitches. And what we would do was we would abuse them in practice if we found a tell. And then once we were done with that section of practice, we would tell them what the tell was. That makes sense. And make sure, like, try just, to him to correct it or at least be aware that he does that type of pattern. Right, because, I mean, I guess the hardest part would be if some new pattern picks up for the first time in a game. Cause yeah, that- <laughs> and, yeah you, definitely have to, you definitely have to have people in your dugout or the catcher paying attention to that. So all of a sudden, the other team gets a base runner on, and then the whole team's smacking the ball. You're like, all right, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the worst part about that whole Yankees-Tigers one was no one on the Tigers picked it up for, like, a few innings. Right. So that was that was, that was really interesting to watch because I hadn't seen anything in detail like that before. Like, mm-hmm. for everybody listening who didn't see it, it was a Tigers pitcher – he was like looking at third or something every time. Like he was doing he was one third every time doing... through a slider. Yeah. So look at third. If he didn't look at third base, it would be a fastball. And so then all of a sudden the hitter knows what pitch is coming, and they just abused that. So, and it it shows the importance of getting somebody on base, which in today's game of baseballs. And to go so to go along with that. The looking at and this was only when there's runners on base for the Tigers pitcher. Right. This kind of goes back to the shift. So Matt Carpenter was hitting. He's left hand he was a switch hitter batting left handed for the Yankees. But when he bats left handed, he gets shifted on and there's two outs. So he and the pitcher is out of the windup. And so he bunted down the third baseline to beat the shift to get a runner on base to get the pitcher in the stretch to get the to get to the tells right and then they ended up scoring four runs in the inning with two outs because once he got in the stretch they could know they figured out which pitch he was throwing and they strung together like i don't even know how many hits it's just really interesting to see it in video like just live and have it explained of like what happened and then see the evidence of it and to know I guess how common that is and how important that actually is in a game. It's just such a nuanced game. Mm-hmm. There's so many different little elements of it that can help you. 
Right, because when you're talking about success being successful three out of ten times, every little bit counts on that. I wouldn't even go as that high anymore. I would say it's like, I'd say like 270 is like the new 310. That's crazy. I haven't been paying that good of attention because I haven't been. I used to pay really close attention when I was in fantasy, fantasy baseball leagues just because I really wanted to win. But since then, I just haven't been. The COVID era kind of stopped my paying attention. And then like, now don't, it's... Don't get me wrong. There are still guys, like, hitting, like, above 300. But, like, I just don't... You don't see it as more, I feel like. Right. The Gone are the days of Ted Williams' batting average. <laughs> like, I think right now, like, the highest batting average in the MLB is, like, 335. Which is still really good. That'd be the highest batting average in a lot of years, but yeah, but like it just seems like in the past we could there'd be guys that could pull out like a three fifty year or three like the one year Cabrera won the triple crown, he hit like three forty four or something like that. Right, and it seemed like there's a whole host of people at the yeah he'd be in like title. It's like the, the one guy hitting three thirty five is like the one the the yeah they're far and away. There's a couple guys in like the three twenties, but he he's got like he's got some room. And then and he's also in he's also in the the running for winning the NL Triple Crown this year. Paul Goldschmidt. Wow, he's pretty old now, isn't he? I remember him being like top tier back in the day. Yeah, he. I don't. I don't know. He leads the he leads the NL in batting average right now, and then he's like second in home runs, and then like second in RBIs or third in RBIs or something. That'd be cool to see another triple crown winner. Yeah, so uh, he, cool to see. if if he does end up if he does pull it out, he would be the first guy to win the triple crown since Miguel Cabrera. But he would also be the fir- he would be the first guy in the National League to win the triple crown since 1937. That's that'd be impressive, and it's cool that there's still people like we talk all about like, oh, no one's hitting the baseball anymore and all this stuff. But he's still got the average and the power. Mm-hmm. I guess the follow up point I was gonna make with the batting average thing is, if you were batting like two twenty, you'd have a hard time staying on a team back in the day. Now it's like if you hit two twenty, as long as you're putting half the team or twenty home runs and you're yeah, then you're gonna you've got stay. A, right a solid spot, and it's just. Kinda, I guess that's the way batters have evolved. Is well, screw it. If I'm not gonna hit the ball, anytime I do hit the ball, it better go over the fence. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's 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 definitely interesting to see how batters' approaches have changed, but I just don't think it has been the most beneficial way for them to approach hitting a baseball. Right. It takes a lot of nuance of base running and like fielding out of it too. Mm-hmm. It becomes a very one-on-one game of pitcher versus batter. Yeah. Strikeout to home run, I guess, meta that we're in now. Yep. So, I would agree with that. So is that all you got on the baseball docket or do you want to Yeah, finish? that's about it that I have for baseball. So football season's right here on the horizon. College football kicked off this weekend, I think. Yeah, it did. Nebraska played Northwestern in Ireland. Why are they playing in 
Ireland. That doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't know. I think it's just to expand the game. I think it's one of those. Yeah, well, like to expand. Yeah, it's like Northwestern and Nebraska. I don't know why you would have those two teams play. Nebraska's got to, but they're not. Yeah, yeah, and they're trying to. I guess maybe they're trying to. Maybe the schools want some Irish to come to their school, (laughs) or they got paid a boatload of money to go play over there. Who would pay them the money? NCAA or yeah, or the TV deals or something. Yeah, trying to. Ex- I mean, they're trying to expand. I get it. They've been trying to expand football overseas for a while, and Europe just doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know how popular it is over there. Yeah, but in that it's funny in the Northwestern Nebraska game in Ireland. Somehow, like, I don't know. They kept saying like the internet went out in the stadium or whatever. So you like they kept getting free alcohol. I don't. Oh. I don't exactly know how it worked, but they like they made like a, a beer cup snake throughout like the stadium. Gotta and, love the Irish man. Yeah, that's, that's that was them and their beer. Do I know Michigan doesn't sell alcohol at their stadiums, but do some stadiums must for the college games? I would imagine some of the southern teams do. Cause that would make a killing, like. Oh yeah, they would make so much money doing that. I saw. So I thought Michigan was going to. I think I saw that somewhere. I haven't seen any updates, but yeah, you know, you got to get that money for those NIL deals to get players. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how much do you know about that? I don't know much. The NILs. Yeah. So what I do know is that you so the company goes directly to the player but they have the player would have to get an nil form signed by someone in the athletic to get it okayed to get the deal okayed right but the the whole deal in the player so is it like i guess because everyone was talking about schools with large endowments and a lot of money will be able to buy players i guess i don't understand where the money's coming from and stuff that's like that. That's not really how it works. That's not how it's been done. The way if if it has been done, so there's been companies like so like not boosters per se, but like companies that have like right. I mean, like the school. So like, I'll give you an example. So Texas Tech. Uh, okay. There's I forgot the company's name. But they made a deal with the women's basketball team where okay. they high stakes deal. <laughs> yeah, so they're <laughs> they're paying they're paying each player on the women's basketball team twenty five thousand dollars. Dang, dude, that's some good money. Yeah, so yeah, so they're paying each each girl on the team twenty five thousand dollars, but it's like a it's between the company and the the players on the team and like so like the school doesn't get any of it it's not coming from the school either right i just thought this would help michigan because michigan has a very large fan following so we could get the best recruits cuz they'll get the most money coming to michigan <laughs> yeah but michigan's not budge michigan is also a academic school too and they're not budging on those requirements to get players in 
Uh, I mean, they do they do to a certain extent because obviously not every single one of those football players or basketball players or any athlete is not every single one of them is going to be smart enough to get into Michigan. But there they are. But I guess they Michigan's Michigan isn't with with it, right? So. I just thought maybe that would help Michigan, but maybe it won't. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I. What team do you think? There's any teams that like largely will see a big difference. Do you think we'll see any teams come out of the running? Uh, yeah, better, sorry. Like specific, like that isn't normally in the conversation, or isn't, or something that'll put them over the edge. I think. I think the NIL stuff has helped Texas A&M kind of yeah. get they, – because they've been around, but yeah. I, they haven't quite gotten over the leap of, like, the Alabamas and the Georgias. Right. But I think with the NIL stuff, because they're always at the top in recruiting, which right. I, I feel like at some point the NIL stuff – and because the NIL is helping them recruit tremendously – so maybe it's Texas gotta, it's got to put them over the hump at some point here soon. That would be, be like what, Texas A&M would be like one of my dark horses to make the college football playoff this year. Would it be this year, or would it, they need a couple years to like recruiting to fill out? No, the they had like the, they they had another top five. They've had a top five recruiting class like the past three years, three four years. Okay. Like well, they're then- like they're there. They I just I feel like the NIL stuff. Right there, it's just the NIL has got to help help them get over the hump. What about the Ducks, Oregon, being related to Nike? Would that be a see? Way? I don't know if I don't know if Nike does anything NIL wise with the players there, right. but I I don't know. Oregon, the thing with the Pac-12 is now well, the- they just lost like their teams. Yeah, they, so. Oregon's gonna do but I it's I mean personally it's it's hard for me to be like why would I want to go to school at Oregon <laughs> well yeah because they're it's Oregon who wants to go out to that that area yeah but, but I, I mean for from the aspect of like an athlete and getting all the cool Nike stuff I could see it I could understand why someone would want to I'd packages look like and how how well that that would help them right but i mean i could definitely see it i don't know if it would get them over the hump yeah i see what you're saying does it hurt any like really schools that have been really good but now the other teams like maybe they won't like to me clemson who's been pretty established they don't. They're not in a power, really powerful conference, and I don't know about their NIL stuff. So I was wondering if maybe they'll be hurt by the rules. Yeah, I think so. With Clemson's an interesting team to look at, just because I think that I think the NIL they're not going anywhere. Like they're gonna right. they're gonna be a good program for a while. It's a matter of if. Their coach Dabo Sweeney is like been pretty vocal against some players getting paid, and so I feel like if anything that would harm the program more than any NIL 
deal mm-hmm. that doesn't get made just because he's been so against it that why would why would you want to go to a coach where like doesn't want to help you get right. money cuz there's a lot of there's a lot of these players that need need the NIL stuff money i'm i'm all for a player being able to you use his name image and likeness to get paid i i don't think it should have ever been an issue if a company is willing to pay a player to support their right i mean it's just an advert like that it's pretty much advertisement stuff yeah on that kind of thing like a uh, player in the it's a genius marketing tool right and so i don't understand what the i guess to me, that makes sense that you should be able to, like, if you want, if a company's willing to have you in an advertisement or whatever, or someone's willing to pay you for their, for your autograph, then you should be able to get that money is my opinion. Yeah, I and- completely agree. And I, the, the, the other part that goes into it is the, when the, the selling of the jerseys, like the schools. Right. I, that's where it gets tricky. You're- well, you're cut. You got too big. You got the school who's making so much money on it, and it's like, well, the school can say they're compensating the players by offering them education. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't think that there should. I don't think that there should be rules against schools offering a cut of the jersey sales to the players, and then if schools didn't want to do that, that'd just be like a positive or minus for going to the school. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like. Oh, I'll go to Ohio State because they offer me a cut of my jersey sales versus going to Alabama because they don't or something like that. Yeah, like, it's it's definitely interesting to see where the NIL stuff could go and how players get paid. I'd be curious to see because I don't think a company is going to get that much of a benefit in terms of trying to advertise some fresh out of high school recruit. Like I think. I- it's the older guys more right like i think it should be i don't see how it i don't personally see how it makes that much of a impact on recruiting because these companies shouldn't want to pay these high schoolers like or fresh out of high school freshmen who aren't going to play tons of money whereas if you're a junior and senior winning stuff and like going to be good that they'll want like it's kind of like paying for their performance, I guess. But mm-hmm. but there's thing, probably some nuance that I don't understand how the how it affects recruiting. Well, there's so base. It's it's all about so social media is where most of these advertisements come from, right? And so it's based on how big is your following, generally, right. and that come how big of your how big your following is comes a lot from viral how viral you can go right in like either a video or multiple or something along those lines and so their advertising money comes from clicks that's just (laughs) yeah and so there's these there there are high schoolers like at their high school athletes that have a million plus followers and so if a company were to like they haven't done anything in college yet but they're going to go to college and they already have a million followers 
right that's a large outreach that you can get that you can grab and going to a school that has a large fan base and would give you good opportunity to be on tv would also help i guess that's recruiting too but i mean i def i definitely think it's a good thing for the and i i definitely think the nil is good i think the best part for the, the best part of the nil stuff hands down is that we're going to get another NCAA football game for yeah. box. <laughs> that, I, I, I mean, I guess as, as a player, and um, I think one of the best parts, I didn't utilize any NIL stuff, mostly because I, I don't really use social media that much. But I think one of the best things that did was it helped walk-ons, walk-on players. Right. Because they're – they're not going to school on a scholarship. And so they're not like if they, if they were to sign a cup, like a, an NIL deal, say we're 20, 20 K or something, then they're, they're basic. They don't really have to try to work another, a job on campus while trying to do their. I just think, right. I think it's just very beneficial for this, like a walk on student to be able to have that opportunity. I think one of the biggest things, so a few years ago, I saw there's this football player who had a YouTube channel that the NCAA was suing him to take down or something like that because he was a football player, like a part of the NCAA organization. And like they claimed he was making money because of the school, like because of the NCAA or something like that. And I think it's like he's got a YouTube channel just because he's himself having fun i think even if they don't get a deal from some company just being able to make a youtube channel or something like that to sell yourself and be your own entrepreneur of your own brand is itself beneficial Mm -hmm. that's another thing that's crazy uh profitable if you get good at it and tons of views is like being like a youtuber or a streamer. Right. I mean, it's probably easier on your body, too, than being a football player in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's there's this one YouTuber that I watch. He's a, he's like a fitness and fitness where uh, he gets, I, I think he, so he gets like 500 to 600,000 views on a video. I think he yeah. said, I think he said he ends up getting like 13 million to 20. Which is like he's he's near like the high end high top end of YouTube and views or something along those lines in the right. industry, and so if he I think he said if he got twenty million fifteen million views a month, it's like he makes like sixty grand a month. Yeah, it's something insane, and that not, be- that's not that's not even from like the ads. That's just from ad incentives and not even like the the sponsorships that he has, right? Purely from YouTube. That's insane, and I think it would be a benefit. I think the nil like name, image, and likeness stuff. Just kids being able to make YouTube channels. I think that's just. I think that makes sense and is right in my mind. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, the NC. I don't. I personally do not. I have a strong. NCAA. I think the NCAA is a pretty corrupt organization. So mm-hmm. 
I do think it makes sense. I mean, the schools, I don't think they should have boosters paying these kids' salaries for... Oh, no, I don't think they should be salary. Because, I mean, they are getting to go to school. Like, I mean, technically, that is their compensation. But is going to school. But... The but be but being able to sell who they are to advertisements or have a YouTube channel or something like that, that just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody wants to pay them to be in a commercial or whatever, then they should do that. <laughs> right. So that just makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, but who, so is Michigan going to be any good this year in football? I haven't been paying attention. So they're ranked eighth in the preseason poll. But not like that matters, right? That's uh, like I feel like whenever we have high expectations, we always let people down, and then when we're down in the dumps, it's like, all right, we're, we don't have the attention; we can perform well. I think, I think at a minimum they should win nine games. Yeah, Harbaugh has been pretty consistent at that. So I think at a, I think at a minimum, like I would be, I would be if they were to win nine games and be. Ohio State and Columbus being one of those nines, I would call it as beating Ohio State and Columbus this year. If that's our only win, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I I would be okay with beating Ohio State and Columbus. That would be really fun. That's the only game that matters. <laughs> but nine wins and a Ohio State loss would. That's kind of a failure. If we had like 10, maybe, I don't even know how much. If it comes down to the last game to decide who goes to the conference championship, Michigan, and we ended up losing, I'd be like, okay, I I mean, it wasn't. That's just just another Harbaugh year. It's a good year, but it's not like you just didn't get over the hump again, you know? Mm -hmm. I I think now that they finally got the taste on beating Ohio State, that I feel like they're just going to make them a lot hungrier because. Well, right. There is a huge mental block, I think. There's just something about playing Ohio State. They just had the number. like Yeah, because they... I don't know if you remember it from last year, but like the preseason, you know how Har- Harbaugh always has the the hot seat in the preseason about he can't, he can't win the big game. He can't beat Ohio State. And so like last year in the preseason press conference when asked about Ohio State he said we're like his quote was we're gonna beat them or we're gonna die trying right so they up out of them and so I just think that and so now the message is there's a lot more guys on our team that have beaten Ohio State than there are on Ohio State that have beaten Michigan right so and so now it's our turn to play bully ball I hope that's true, man. I hope that's I, true. I really hope so, too. And then the other thing is, so it came out yesterday. So you know how Michigan's had the quarterback battle. Right. So he said Harbaugh came out and said that Cade is going to start game one and J.J. is going to start game two. And then after those first two games, that, that he's going to have a decision on quarterback play. Just That's because. really that'll be really hard. Say Cade comes out and has a fantastic game one. That'd be really hard to play not play him game two. You know well the I mean? thing is they got a cupcake non conference. They're playing Colorado State and then Hawaii. Oh that <laughs> cupcake, yeah. So, I mean it's not <laughs> if he has an insane game like 
I it's mean, like obviously you should against those teams. Yeah. So but, I mean, it's just gonna come down to who do, who does Harbaugh. I think it's gonna come down to who does Harbaugh think they have a better chance of winning with. Right, and I don't know Michigan's quarterback play. I just feel like has been lacking for a long time. They haven't had like an. Ins- they haven't had like a lead you to a win. Right. I mean, it's always been like past second, like run the football, strong defense, kind of. And their, I guess, motto. And it'd be nice to see, like, because I think a really good quarterback, like elite level quarterback, is necessary to win the big game, it seems like. So. Or you either have to be like a quarterback. Or slightly above average at quarterback and insanely good everywhere else, like Georgia was. Right. Or have just elite level quarterback play and be pretty good everywhere else. Yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, it's really good everywhere. To make up not being having elite level quarterback play, everything else needs to be elite, whereas elite quarterback play can make up for. Uh, some deficiencies elsewhere. Yeah. But, but so I think, I, I mean, I think Michigan, I think they'll, they should, I should be right back where they were either one, one loss, two loss team. They got a lot of home games this year. It's just, they got the big one in Columbus. Right. Is the, um, is there any preseason bets you're liking on that one or? I haven't taken a look. I, I, take something right now i would i would take what would i take i would take sec championship game i would take georgia versus or georgia versus a&m you think you don't think Emma's gonna be there i i just think that like a&m's gotta get over the hump it's it's (laughs) i just feel like it's been too long for them like they've had too much hype for them to not finally get there and i feel like I feel like they could pull off like an LSU type year. That'd be nuts. Yeah. So that that would be my SEC matchup. Um, sleeper Big Ten West winner. The bull- <laughs> that is a sleeper pick, dude. A lot of people are sleeping out the Boilermakers. I think I'm telling you that. So listen, hear me out. All right, yeah. listed. All the viewers are listed. We're all listed. They got Penn State week one. I'm okay. pretty sure they. I'm pretty sure it's Penn State in West Lafayette. You think they got? You think they're gonna beat Penn State? I'm not saying they're going to, but if they do, watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Them Boilermakers will get hot, baby. They ain't gotta play nobody. <laughs> All they right. got. They play Penn State. Even if they, even if they lose to Penn State, you still got Wisconsin and Iowa. But both of those teams have to play Michigan, Michigan State, or Ohio State for their crossover games in the, right. the in the Big Ten. And Purdue exactly. doesn't have to play any of them. Uh that that's a good point. You know, I I'd like to see the odds on that. That'd be a Sleeper, uh, um, and and like in every year, the Big Ten West always has a team that like sneaks in. 
like Northwestern does. Right. Or Indiana, or Indiana's Big Ten East. But there's always a team from the, the west side of the Big Ten that, like, is, like, finds a way to end, like, win the Big Ten West. Like, it's Minnesota or Northwestern, like, every other year. Seems like they find something. You think the Boilermakers the, are it this year? Boilermakers. BTFU. <laughs> so I have one last question on the fan or on the football thing. Cincinnati, they were they made it to the playoff, but they just they lost their quarterback, they lost their running back, they lost and their the, number one wide receiver and their number top two cornerbacks. Are, they're so they're replacing they a lot of players. So are they done? I <laughs> hey. For whether they can retool or rebuild, I, I don't. I it'll be interesting to see because they play. They got a tough game against Arkansas Week One. In Arkansas, I know, I know UC, UC was kind of your uh, favorite for a little while there. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. They're replacing a lot of guys, but this is where you figure out whether you have a program or just a team, right? Their coach, their coach is really good, but and I, I think they've done a pretty good job of recruiting. But it's hard with those group of five teams. I feel like I feel like Cincinnati had to have gotten a boost with recruiting because they're moving to the Big Twelve soon. Oh, they are. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I forgot which. It's I it might be we we might get one crossover year where Cincinnati's in the Big Twelve with Oklahoma and Texas. There's been so much conference shifting around that it's insane, but and so, none of the conferences make sense anymore. Like, no nope. California schools are in the Big Ten. Like, yeah. So there could there could be a boost with Cincinnati's recruiting that helps them stay where they are. I would I would imagine a slight downtick in performance this year. Not I don't think. I wouldn't call it an undefeated season, but I, I if they go like eight and four, nine and three, yeah, that I still a really good season, but not to their standards. But after losing what they lost, I mean, they got they got to rebuild. It would it would be tough to not be happy about one of those seasons. I mean, they could if they go ten and two and compete in conference championship, that would be really impressive. Faux shizzle. Well, thanks for coming on, dude. Yes, thanks for having me. Uh, I don't know if I asked you this question the first time that you were on, but what's your favorite Pop-Tart? Pop-Tart. So I really like the strawberry one. <laughs> the strawberry one? You're basic? Yeah, I, dude, for whatever reason, I really like it. And then the uh, s'mores one. The s'mores slaps, dude. S'mores one too. I can I can tell you my least favorite too. Oh, you the other really good one is the blueberry ones. You liking the fruity? That's kind of that's surprising. You don't like actual fruit, dude. So. I ate a banana today. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first one in like a year. No, <laughs> but no, I can tell you the one that I hate the most. Yeah, let's hear it. The cherry one. You don't like cherry Pop-Tarts? So, it was 
like two weeks ago, I went to the our like goodie pantry. So like, cause I knew we had pop tarts, and I thought there was one more strawberry package left, and there wasn't, and there was only the cherry one. So I was like, I guess I'll eat it, and then I like ate it, and it was horrible. And but Dad likes them, so like that's why they were there. But, oh my goodness, they were disgusting. <laughs> it's just it's day, sugar. It's I'm pretty sure the they're thumb all doctor. This- I'm pretty sure they're all the same flavor. It's just different colors. No, <laughs> they're not. You're telling me the cookies and cream one tastes like the strawberry one? Okay, okay. It's just sugar. It's just based on the color and packaging. We're all big. They're different. They are so different. <laughs> and I will I will die on that sword. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, do you want to plug your social media or anything? <laughs> All right. Well, my Instagram is Devin underscore Baisley. My LinkedIn is Devin Baisley. <laughs> Follow this man on LinkedIn. Come Give me on. some connections. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, see ya. Yep. Thanks. See ya. <laughs>